What's up, heroes? Welcome to the Producer Life Podcast, Episode 77. Today, Zach Domer joins us, who's better known by his nickname, Pony. Pony is a CD Baby veteran, hailing from the early days when they only offered distribution of physical CDs, and more recently has served as the brand manager and public face for Sounddrop, a CD Baby sister company that focuses on distribution of cover songs. Sounddrop currently pays out over 1.5 million in artist earnings every month, making it one of the top digital music distributors in the world. In this episode, we talk about the similarities and differences between CD Baby and Sounddrop, branding choices, and the basics of cover licensing. At the end of the episode, I've also got a big announcement about the podcast, so make sure you listen all the way through. But first, cue the intro music. All right, Pony, welcome to the Producer Life Podcast. Thanks, Brian. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Sounddrop uh, seems like an amazing company, and you guys have a lot of cool services that I think I think my audience is going to be really interested in, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this discussion. Nice. Me too. Um, let's, let's kind of start at the beginning. Uh, what brought you into the music industry? Well, I've been a musician myself. Since I was a kid, um, I've always played bass. So bass, my main instrument, the only instrument I ever really specialized on. And, uh, you know, I was into rock and roll and metal and Rush and Primus and stuff like that growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, And by the early 2000s, I had moved out to Portland, to the Northwest on the, the wave of grunge, you know, with all my friends and my friends' bands and my bands and everything. So we were living out in the Northwest and just, you know, doing whatever day jobs. And then one day I was kind of looking for a new day job uh, to kind of support my music habit. And a friend (laughs) said, hey, there's a music company that's out by the airport. They sell CDs. You should go apply there. And so I drove out there, walked in, um, and there was a guy sitting there, John Stoip, and he was the the office manager, general manager, vice president guy who kind of ran the show at the time. Um, and I said, hey, somebody directed me here. I need a job. Do you need any workers? And he, a little roundabout, he made me kind of like prove that I was a musician and a couple questions and uh, come to get hired, packing up CD orders uh, for 24 hours a week at eight bucks an hour. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I started at CD baby in like 2004 or something to 2004, I think. And yeah, just shipping out CDs. Um, so however long later, 17, 18 years later, here I am on the director of strategic initiatives for the company. And, uh, I report directly to the president. Um, and, the president, it's funny, he was a guy who got hired just a few months before me, and his job was to shelve the CDs when they came in from the artists. Oh, man. So back then, CD Baby, the only thing we did was, if you're a band, we'll sell your CD for you on the internet, and we put up a web page. And uh, 
people and your fans can just order it off the internet and you don't have to ship it to them and deal with the payment and all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that was before Amazon and iTunes and any kind of like e-commerce that people could do on their own Bandcamp wasn't anything, you know, none of that stuff existed yet. So, you know, it was really, uh, innovative. Um, but yeah, it's funny that sometimes I'm talking to the Joel, who's our president and it's just like, Oh man, what a ride this has been. Yeah. Tell me about how you're, so you were CD baby for quite some time before you moved to sound drop, correct? Yes. Well, Soundrop actually is a sister company of CD Baby. So we, you know, are, we work from the same kind of like pool of resources. We're owned by the same company. um, And we work side by side, just kind of for different artist communities. So Soundrop actually was came from an acquisition that CD CD Baby made in 2014, 2015, somewhere in that area, there was a, um, a, a digital distribution company called Louder. Um, and I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember them. Those guys went on to... Sounds like, familiar. Yeah. Uh, so their thing was, hey, we, sell, we allow your fans to download your cover song from a web page that you can direct them to. And we do the licensing for you. So that was their big innovation. They had the, they started that integrated licensing thing. So at first their business was just direct download sales and they handled the licensing and then they started getting into distribution. Well, they started growing and, you know, after a while they were like, yeah, we really just need to focus on the licensing part and they wanted to get out of distribution. So CD Baby acquired that distribution catalog and you know the, the accounts and everything and said oh man we we louder is going to get out of distribution so instead of letting all those artists just have to find a new solution have all their stuff come down and start up again cd baby just transitioned it into a new brand called Soundrop, which had the same features that those artists the louder users loved which was revenue splits between collaborate collaborators and the integrated cover song licensing and a really low upfront cost. Like, uh, you know, you don't have to get pay anything to get started. You just pay a commission to Louder on whatever the song earns. So when CD Baby acquired them, Louder was going to continue as a licensing company and all this stuff. So they had to rebrand this distribution service. There was conversation, oh, do we fold it all into CD Baby? But that didn't seem right to the artists that had been using louder because the features were different. The pricing was different so that we decided to start up a whole new ser- distribution service called Soundrop that was going to carry over all the content and the catalog from the louder days and those features for the types of artists that needed those features. Um, so they brought me in Um, I had actually stepped away from CD baby and was doing some other kind of things that didn't really work out. And so I kind of came back to CD baby and said, Hey, you know, now I'm in between things again. Do you have like a temporary project? Because by this point I was a project manager at the company. I said, Hey, do you have a temporary project I could do for a while while I, you know, look for a a new, um, 
you know, permanent position somewhere. And they were like, oh, yeah, sure. We just did this acquisition and we're rebranding it and we need to do this uh, brand launch and the artist change management and get everybody over to the new thing and, uh, you know, just move over all the data and the content and that whole migration. It was a big project. Um, and so I did that and I got SoundDrop launched and was ready to like move on with my life. And they were like, Hey, why don't you stay on and continue to run this thing? And I was like, Oh, that sounds like a sweet gig. Um, and you know, during the time of the transition from louder to SoundDrop, uh, I got to know a lot of these musicians and saw the stuff that they were doing. And I came from the world of 90s rock and metal bands and to see what people were doing now with the vgm covers and the youtube uh strategy that people have of these constant cover song releases and really engaging with their fans i really did just fall in love with these artist communities and i've just i've just been doing that ever since up until this year where i'm transitioning to the director of uh, strategic initiatives back to CD baby. And we're, you know, kind of reorganizing how sound drop works, but we're just kind of in the beginning of that. So that's my big project okay. now. It's exciting. That, that does sound exciting. Um, take, take me back to the early days of sound drop. I, I think your LinkedIn page described you as a brand manager. So what did, what did that mean that you were doing for the company at the time? I mean, I had to just completely figure out how this brand was going to present itself to the world. So I had to go in and, you know, set up the social media profiles and start coming up with an engagement strategy. And uh, we call uh, my title was brand manager, but I was kind of just like a general operations manager as well. I was I kind of come into this role as like the founder of sound drop. Um, so my title being brand manager, because I had to get this brand out to the world and figure out something that was going to represent it well and resonate with the type of artists that we wanted to serve. Okay. What, um, you know, obviously this, this podcast is geared towards DJs and producers. And so branding is one of the things we, we have talked about in the past. What, what sort of considerations and what things ran through your head as you were trying to come up with a brand for the company and how you were going to present it? Well, the first thing is, why is this different than CD Baby? Like, we already have a distribution company that essentially does the same thing. Mm -hmm. So the quest the the biggest you know the 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 needle i have to thread is you know if i wasn't if we weren't all part of the same you know family of brands then i could just come out and start you know figuring out how to criticize all the other distributors and why we're better than all of them uh but you know it's hard you can't really number one it's better to say things about yourself but number two uh one of those competitors is actually our sister company. And mm -hmm. so right away it was like, okay, we got to figure out how, what makes us unique and what makes us great and which artists would use SoundDrop but not CD Baby and vice versa. So we determined right away that SoundDrop was going to be for more of a niche type of artist. Um, and we said it's going to be the artists that – 
do cover songs, they do singles, they um, are probably more focused on their video releases and the distribution part is um, maybe secondary. And then they also uh, are much more in tuned to um, like an online engagement so if you've been a band that's been plugging away, touring, you're really attuned to the live environment, the studio, things like that. The types of artists that we decided to focus on and serve were the ones that were um, releasing, making music in their homes. And they were releasing, uh, they were performing on YouTube and they were engaging deeply with their fans. They might not have had a ton of fans, but the ones that were, were getting replies on their comments. And they were like, yeah. you know, taking their suggestions and potentially like covering songs that were requested. So I said, uh, you know, I thought to myself, like this, these artists need, they, they, uh, they merit a deeper level of engagement, a more personal online relationship with a brand uh, just as they are. Um, engaging as a brand with their fans, we need to engage as a brand humanely with our clients. And just using social media, and even when it came to um, kind of taking an approach to our support and operations, it was always like, these are the artists that we're focusing on. Is it every artist in the world? No. Is it even most artists in the world? No. Because CD Baby's been doing this since the late 90s, and they've already got that corner they're going to be the best mm-hmm. at that. So we just looked at which artists are CD baby or which artists aren't using CD baby and why. And it's usually the price, the features weren't quite right. And they just were more comfortable with something that was smaller and more focused and um, maybe more um, able to interact. I don't know if that makes any sense. So, it, um, it, it does. It, it does. Yeah, and, and I think that Soundrop, the way that Soundrop handles its branding and its comms or its communi- public communications uh, is more like what an artist would do. You know, you just want to understand, like, what personality do I want to convey to the world? There's a million different ways to do it with words, without words, with a person, like a human persona or without, but you got to think about what the, your audience is perceiving and then play that, you know, play up, play up to that. And don't worry about, Oh, am I going to, you know, alienate some people? Yeah, you are, you have to, because that's what it things require today you go on youtube and find a ton of creators that have millions of subscribers and you've never heard of them and their fans haven't heard of each other's favorite artists either because they're just build communities and they're just there for their fans and not always focusing on oh but how do i make myself more accessible and how do i get a bigger fan base it's just Focus on like the thing you do and being and and representing it really authentically. And whoever likes the people that like that, give them everything. I mean, Patreon, uh, there's tools today that make that so much 
more possible than ever before, like Patreon and Bandcamp. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, you, you guys honed in on this niche market. So you were, was there much angst at CD baby about kind of cannibalizing their customers or was that part of the discussion as you guys were trying to figure out how to, how to best use this louder acquisition? Well, it was definitely part of the discussion because uh, basically CD Baby does a lot and they, and you pay for it, you know, if you're, but the type of artist CD Baby's dealing with typically you're putting out an album every two years or every year or two years. And if you're doing that, then paying like a hundred bucks for a premium service is not out of the question. It's not out of your budget. It's like, it's easy for all that you get for that. Um, but it, on the other hand, you're putting out a single every single week. It, you can't, a lot of people yeah. can't afford all the services that CD, you can't afford to pay for CD baby and don't need all that service. So I always think, think a CD baby is like the five-star steakhouse. You sit down, you know, you're paying for it, but you're getting appetizer drinks, like potatoes <laughs> and with sour cream and stuff. You know what I mean? Like the whole thing, dessert and everything. And you pay for it. And sound drops more like that, like awesome taqueria that you go to for lunch where you roll up and they're like, Oh, Hey, I know you. And you know, like try the new sauce. And it's like, you know, you're eating out of your hands in a parking lot, but it's delicious. And you love those. <laughs> and it's like, sometimes there's a five stars. Some people go to the steakhouse and some people go to the taqueria and maybe even go to different ones on different days, depending on what you're in the mood for. Uh, and, and that's kind of just the way that we played it with sound drop versus CD baby. Um, which is like, there is a market for these other thing, this other service. And, and that's been proven. I mean, sound drops just grown ex, you know, like, uh, I was going to say exponentially, that's a hyperbole, but we've, uh, I mean, since the louder days, uh, are the, the amount that we're paying to artists has like quadrupled. I, I think I saw a figure, and, and I don't know the date of this on LinkedIn, but you guys had a million and a half payouts to artists some years ago. Well, this uh, we grew to the point where we were paying out about a million and a half a month to independent wow. artists. Yep, wow, and in is- fact, this past month, uh, we just had we just paid out for June last week. For sound drop and it was our biggest payout ever and i think it was like 1.66 million dollars wow congratulations that's i mean that's really your baby here oh uh, yeah it totally is it, it really <laughs> does feel like it because uh you know at first it was just kind of like pony just make this thing happen make the decisions get it off the ground make it happen uh and and it's so it's so so gratifying because uh I feel like the artists that we work for have also become bigger and just the stuff that they do is more mainstream now than when we started it. So for instance, when I started sound drop, my friends would be like, Oh, like here's this, this album, like, you could go stream it on Spotify. Like I, I discovered this new band or I discovered this new artist and I'm sending you a Spotify link or an iTunes link or something like that. Mm-hmm. And now 
when people are like, oh, I want to show you this musician or this cool song, they show me a person doing a cover song on YouTube. And, and that's incredible because I'm like, yeah, we saw that. We saw that. And we, I like to think we played a role in that for a lot of artists. Uh, because YouTube kind of is what it is. It's hard to make money on YouTube. Um, but you can, with a certain amount of content at a certain quality and, you know, like a strategic way of deciding what songs to cover, you can actually make some real money on Spotify. You can't just log into Spotify and upload your songs and have people start streaming them. You have to go through a distributor because it's a commercial product, but there's more, there's money there's money there. And we hear it from artists all the time. Like I had no idea. Like I've just been posting my stuff on YouTube and just praying that someday I could monetize my channel. As soon as I, you know, put my entire catalog on Spotify through SoundDrop, a few months later, I start getting a check every month. That's awesome. Do you, do you have any particular, I mean, obviously you can't talk about personal finances, but do you have um, a couple of artists that really jumped to mind for sort of success stories? Well, um, he's not a video game guy, um, but his name is Daniel Jang, and he's okay. a uh, violinist, and he does hmm. incredible. Like, he, if you look him up on YouTube, uh, I think it's I can't remember what he's called now. I I just have his name in my head, but um, but yeah, Daniel Jang is his name. Uh, okay, I, I might. Maybe can I'm include a link in the show notes. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I can't share uh, financial information, but okay, he's just but an you've artist. Seen him kind of grow like, up with sound drop. What's that? But you've kind of seen him grow up with sound drop and, 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 uh, uh, listenership expanding. And I, Oh yeah, I get, absolutely. And I mean, from the point where it's like, Oh, fun YouTuber is like really talented to like this guy's legit. You know, he's, this is <laughs> a career. Uh, I've seen multiple musicians at this point in these last five years. Uh, I've seen multiple musicians go from like putting out a lot of covers um, to getting real money. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where people hey, are like, that, I, quit, I, I will run into uh, not so much in the last year or so, but I'd run into people at conventions that would just be like, thank you so much. I'm qu- I quit my job. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's gotta be incredibly projects. gratifying. Oh my God. What? It's the best, especially as a musician myself, you know, uh, yeah. being able to just go, man, every day I have the opportunity to make the world a better place for musicians. And even if they don't use SoundDrop, because if SoundDrop is good, it means that that's pressure on all the other distributors to be better. And if distributors are great, then, I mean, then Bandcamp and Patreon have to be even better. And, uh, you know, just like, because that's always been the thing about CD Baby was, Technology is cool. Yeah, the music industry, we have to know how it works to give artists access to it. Um, but the the thing that that CD Baby trailblazed, if that's the right way to use that word, was the, the customer service 
side of it. Like this isn't just an app and these aren't just like, this isn't just like a music company, like a label where you hope they sign you so you can, they can invest in you. Like we really approached it as a, you know, like that. I remember people talking about Zappos in the early days of CD and just like that focus on the customer, the, the client, the musician, the artist, the creator, like, really, really, really do it for them. Um, and it's great to be a part of a company as a musician where I get to participate in that. And yeah, I mean, it'd be great to play bass for a living, but, uh, this is, I mean, this, I can have way more effect. Yeah. Are are you still part of a band? Oh yeah. I still play. I don't, I don't, I'm not, you know, quote unquote in a band anymore because of all the stuff that goes along with that. I mean, I got a professional job. I got a kid, you know, I got a side business and stuff. And so <laughs> these like three pra- three drunken practices a week and then, you know, two or three unattended crappy shows that you just feel like you have to do just because you got to get out. Like that stuff. I, I never really got any traction with any of the bands I was in. Now uh, I'm just like a session fill in guy. So I step into a band, they've already got their songs and they just need somebody to perform in the bass lines. And that's all I want to do. I don't want to write a bunch of music. I just want like, I just want to show up and well, and execute your bass guitar lines perfectly uh, on your record. So I get a, I get to work with better musicians now than I did when I was in bands. (laughs) That's, that's awesome. Well, good. I'm glad you're still, still continuing to play as well. Um, I'm sure that gives you a connection with a lot of your artists too, when you're talking with them. Yeah, totally. I mean, we're all, uh, what, what gives us the most connection when we talk to artists for sound drop is just embracing our nerdy human vulnerable side. So, I mean, we've got people who at sound drop who aren't musicians themselves, but they're music lovers or they love YouTube cover song artists or they're geeky about comic books or video games or, or pro wrestling or uh, music theory or, you know, pop culture or you name it. And you don't have to be a musician. You just have to love music and love musicians and like just completely embrace your nerdy side. Yeah. With, with us kind of coming out of the pandemic here in the United States, um, I would think with your kind of core target niche audience of YouTube cover song artists, you you saw a big, uh, you know, the pandemic kind of helped boost numbers, I would think, over the last year. I would think a lot of people were were putting out a lot more cover songs. Is that true or what, what did the pandemic do to your business model last year? It didn't really do anything to the I wouldn't say it did anything to the business model. We got a spike in the spring when everybody realized, oh, crap, I can't. A CD Baby was actually more affected by it because I think they have a lot of artists that haven't necessarily released everything. That They, they have a lot of demos and unreleased stuff. Sound Drop artists, I feel like they release almost everything. They just make something and release it. So <laughs> CD Baby artists were like, uploading their entire back catalog of demos because they can't go into the studio they can't tour they can't play live you know on the sound drop side we still got a spike because i think there was just something in the air where people are like i gotta put music on the internet 
<laughs> I got to get stuff on Spotify. This is going to be my outlet. You know, um, I think we have a lot of artists that probably do other music jobs um, that got shut down or they do, you know, whatever service industry jobs, education jobs and things are getting shut down. Uh, so we got a little bit of a spike, nothing that was, you know, made us rethink everything. It was just like, man, no, we're here. We just have to be reliable. We just have to, we're just, the, you know, a, a really important service and tool for these artists right now. Uh, so just keep up with it. You know, it's just about keeping up with it. And then we, yeah. So I, I wouldn't say that the pandemic made us pivot in any way. It just deepened our resolve. Okay. Awesome. With, with your, again, looking at your core audience of, of cover artists, we, we haven't really defined what a cover is. Uh, I know I've talked about this in some of my previous episodes, but can you kind of briefly explain what a cover is and, and where that falls into maybe briefly explain cover versus derivative work versus, you know, what, what can you legally submit to um, sound drop for release? That is a really good question. And there's a ton of confusion about this. Um, notably in the VGM producer world where the term remix gets used a lot. Sometimes it's an actual remix and sometimes it's like, ah, eh, we call it a remix because it sounds like a remix. Uh, but a cover song is you take a song that somebody else wrote and you perform it. It's your performance of somebody else's composition. And you are not, you're, you're not changing it in any meaningful way. So you're not changing the lyrics. You're not changing the language of the lyrics. You're not changing the underlying chord structure and you're not changing the melody and you're not meaningfully changing the arrangement. It should be recognizable as the original song without any added or subtracted elements or altered elements, if that makes sense. So um, a derivative work is when you are altering some of those, one of the, or more of those elements. So if you translate the lyrics, that's a derivative work. If you change the melody, that's a, deliver, a derivative work. Or if you mix, if you mash up the melody of one song, with the underlying chord structure of another song, which is a really popular thing to do on YouTube, but that's not a cover song and you can't legally distribute that. Because there's a law that if a song has been released officially in the United States, anybody can do their own version of that. And they can even release it and sell it as long as they're properly crediting the original writer paying royalties as due or that somebody is paying the royalties. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the way that we define a cover and we say, yeah, we can license straight covers. And so it, it, there's some gray area. And of course, like, un unfortunately, none of this stuff is ever as simple and as black and white as we want it to be. Um, you know, even when it's like you're talking about the law, right? There's a reason mm -hmm. there's judges because the law needs to be interpreted. Um, but we don't, you know, with this stuff, uh, we're working at it on it at a level like that's much more nuanced than the, than the law can really f 
fully and thoroughly account for. So there's some interpretation, there's some gray area, um, but we do our best to make sure that like we're distributing everything that we can for artists without knowingly distributing something for them that could be problematic um, for either them or publisher or the DSP or whatever. So are, so are so, you guys yeah, listening uh, to every release or are you relying on the artist to say, yeah, this, this meets the criteria for a cover song? We actually have human, a team of human beings that listen to every release. They check it, they listen to it, they go, oh, shoot, you know, like, you can't, you can't do this, you know. Um, and then they'll, we will just, like, push back. They're like, you got to take the song off or you can't distribute this. Okay. Um, but, yeah, but, I mean, people will use, especially in the video game music, uh, people want the samples. They want to sample the video game, you know. <laughs> uh, so they, you know they record the little coin clank or you know you get the ring or the shoot the laser or whatever and they try to use that and we have to check for that stuff or like you have to recreate these sounds um yeah. if you want if you want to you can do like a sonic the hedgehog cover and you can have the rings you know collecting sound but you got to recreate it yourself you can't use you don't have permission to use the original sound recording um, so for a so for producer, you know, you talked about it being your original performance and it has to be recognizable as the original and you can't change the lyrics or translate the lyrics for, for a producer in terms of what a performance is, that would mean they would have to create all the sounds from originals or licensed samples through, through some sort of sample service. Um, but they can't include any of the original sound recordings. Correct. You can't literally just remix the original sound recording and distribute that as if it's yours even okay. and call it a cover you can't do that okay you, um yeah your original you have to recreate your you just the rule of thumb is don't use you can't use anybody else's audio you can cover their composition and you can perform their composition but you can't you, you can't sample their audio recording. Um, okay. Another thing you can't do, which is like hangs up a lot of people, is you can't distribute a cover song of something that has never been officially released as an audio-only recording in the United States. And that messes up a lot of video game people because uh, video game soundtracks and the music from video games is not reliably released in an audio only soundtrack format in the United States, like predictably and thoroughly. And uh, as a, you know, standard thing, you know, especially retro games, like older games, that stuff's hard to find. Uh, so there's like a little bit of, you got to do a little research. I mean, you can put something up on YouTube and hope for the best, but if you want to distribute it as a commercial product through SoundDrop, it can't be the first version of it that's been released and it can't be released before the copyright owner has released their official version. So one another stuff gets up on Spotify, not through us, but through other distributors that shouldn't be up there and artists will go, Hey, there is already a release of this and it's not an official one. And so we go, yeah, no, that's not, that's not legit that person 
shouldn't if you can't find that song from that game on an original soundtrack now it might have even if it was only released on a cd in the united states in the early 2000s that's okay that's an official u.s release and so you can cover that music is there a database or something i mean how how would an artist go out there to find out whether or not it's been officially released or is that just a check spotify check itunes see if you can find the soundtrack for your favorite video game it's kind of that there is a service called VGM, <laughs> yeah, vgmdb.org, I want to say. We send, and we use okay. that. Um, but we also have Easy Song licensing as a like partner. So sometimes an artist can't find something, but Easy Song can. It's like, all right, this one's good to go. Okay. So, um, so I had, uh, as you know, Aaron Green on a couple of episodes back, and he, he talked about Easy Song licensing as sort of an independent service that artists can go to and get clearance for cover songs. Um, but you guys have a much tighter partnership with them. Can you kind of explain that? Yeah. Um, so e- any artist can actually go to Easy Song and license, get, you know, get their licensing. And they do all kinds of stuff that you can't do through SoundDrop. But for straight up cover song licensing, our system's actually connected on the back end to Easy Songs system. So when an artist sets up their uh, release in SoundDrop, we ask them some, uh, questions about like, ah, what was the give us a link to the original release? Who was the original artist? Try to get some information about it, and then we ping that over to Easy Song, and they license it, and then they kind of shoot a clearance back to us. And then as um, activity happens on that song after it's distributed um, and then revenue comes in to sound drop, we, any, if the artist owes any royalties on that activity, we just pull that out of the earnings, send it to easy song and they take care of all the payments and they work with the publishers and everything. Um, So for a very specific use our system is integrated with Easy Songs, so instead of having to go to Easy Song and then go to SoundDrop, you just go to SoundDrop and we take care of the Easy Song part. Uh, but it's got to be a straight, a, a straight up cover song. Got it. And so, as I recall, with Easy Song licensing, you know that they handle the mechanical licensing that basically allows you to there to be as many streams as occur, um, and they handle all of the uh, payments for those streams. But then after, like if people want to do digital downloads, they, they want to purchase a copy of the song through iTunes or whatnot with easy song licensing, you had to go back and manually purchase more after you've used up that allotment. Is that handled more seamlessly through sound drop? Yeah. Cause it's pay as you go. So what you had to do, if you're distributing a release through CD baby in 2010, go to easy song you buy a thousand dpd licenses or whatever and then every time and you basically have like a big tally sheet every time you get a download you have to check one off uh Mm -hmm. and then oh i got a thousand downloads time to go buy a thousand more and so you're kind of buying in bulk most artists aren't using everything that they're buying um and Mm -hmm. it's just a little inefficient especially if you're releasing a cover song single every week you know, uh, so what sound, the way that sound drop and easy song work is we get it licensed and we send the NOI and notify the publisher and everything, but they don't get a royalty unless you get a download. 
and you get a download and then we ping it off the top. There's the nine cents back through easy song and the publisher gets it. So you don't have to do this bulk business. Um, and okay. because it's handled through an official licensor like easy song, the download can occur. And then once it's reported to the distributor, which is us, then we report it to easy song and then the royalty gets paid. So there's, you don't have to do that big batch at the beginning. You just do it for what you sell, pay for what you sell. Wow. That seems a whole lot more streamlined. That That's much more user-friendly than uh, uh, sort of the, hey, we've got a partnership with easy, with uh, easy song licensing, go over there and then come back to us. Sounddrop's integration and the way it's set up is for a real specific use case of somebody who's doing like, you know, frequent cover song releases. Got it. But for those people, the old system was prohibitive. And basically, you know, if you're putting out a cover song every two weeks, you're going to license all of that. You're going to keep all those spreadsheets and keep track of your downloads. That's, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So in terms of partnerships, I noticed on your website, I I went through and I signed up and kind of poked around a little bit. You guys also have a partnership with TrackLive and um, for sample clearance, is, is there some sort of a similar transparent method there as well? Or are you simply recommending their service? Um, for clearing samples for use in covers or? Yeah, we just, um, we do have a system with TrackLib, uh, but it's, I think it's TrackLib, but those guys um, work really hard to get a bunch of pre-cleared samples. So Mm -hmm. for producers that utilize samples, you can go to TrackLib and they have a huge library and there's a way that you can actually, um, you, you, you can use those so, those samples and th- those audio recordings in your own music and distribute it. And it all happens on the back end with TrackLib. Um, but it's not integrated to the degree that Easy Song is. We just, it's not like, okay. it, it's just not used quite as much. But we have a referral partnership with them. So you click that link and you get a little bit of a deal, I think. Um, and then if you are using TrackLib samples, we can kind of make that easier with your distribution on the web. Okay. Awesome. So I guess if I were to jump on an elevator with you and you had to sort of summarize what uh, Sounddrop does for musicians, what's your, what's your 30 second elevator speech? Oh, the same one as CD baby, because fundamentally it's the same. It's, you know, if you're an independent musician or a band or whatever, you upload your music to our service. We put it on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, all those places. We deal with all those guys. We collect the money that is generated by people streaming and downloading your music, funnel it back to you through one single account. And then we take care of all that stuff. So, um, you know, if my, you know, I'm at a family reunion and my, elderly aunt like what does your company do that's basically what i say oh you know we <laughs> you know all those things where you can stream music nowadays like and like we put bands music on those and deal with all the accounting for them it's really simple <laughs> and then if people are like oh you mean like cd baby or distro kid what's the difference between yours then i can go into oh well ours is like a slightly different model it's for cover song musicians we have integrated licensing and payout splits and stuff like that Awesome. So you, you do have some overlapping tools with CD Baby. I know that um, 
the single sign-on that I had with show.co, for example, as soon as I clicked on show.co from within your dashboard, it signed me right in just like, uh, just like from CD Baby. Uh, and they have a lot of cool marketing tools. Are, is there any discussion about sort of more overlapping tools or, or maybe closer integration with CD Baby in the future? Or is the focus on continuing to differentiate the two services and pricing models and feel? Continue to differentiate because different different types of musicians just need different things. And, you know, you get a, a system as technically complex as like a digital distribution upload artist tool system. And, you know, trying to be all things to all people actually ends up creating a lot of gaps. So we're really uh, fortunate that we kind of have these two different systems that are really pointed in two different directions uh, in terms of like which artist communities they're uh, tailored for. So um, I I don't, I mean, who knows what happens in the long-term future, but right now the system that we have is really working well. I mean, we get all the uh, benefits of scale from kind you know, having access to the same pool of resources. Um, But we get the competitive advantage of being able to tailor, you know, tweak things for, for individual audiences. That's terrific. Yep. A little more personalized service at the Taqueria stand. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but also CD baby has like, um, you know, publishing administration for songwriters and uh, content ID for artists, um, you know, th- whose music's getting like re-uploaded and shared on um, on YouTube. So, yeah, see, uh, but the show.co thing, that's another one of our sister companies. That's why we're both integrated with it. Yep, and they, they offer some really cool... Uh, uh, you know, unlock, uh, share your email address and you unlock a download and let's say, what else does show.co offer? Because that norm, they normally charge for that. But I guess if you're a, either a CD baby or a sound drop artist, you get access to those tools for free, correct? Yep, that is correct. And, um, you can actually buy, use show.co through show.co. There's a feature called ad builder, I believe mm-hmm. is w- w- what they call it. And it allows you to actually for, I think as little as like 30 bucks or 20 or 50 bucks or something like that, 50 or less or something is like the minimum. And you can buy advertise uh, like targeted ad space on like Spotify where it like plays a little bit of your song and it's like a little audio ad. Um, mm-hmm. And they're all, they're building a lot of new stuff with show.co uh, right now. And I, yeah, I mean, I think if there were those kind of uh, services or features that we had, that, that were ours or, you know, anything that is re- going to be really uh, valuable for any type of musician, there's no reason for us to not both both CD Baby and Soundrop do it. But then there's some stuff where it's like, oh yeah, CD Baby's not going to mess around with that, but Soundrop has to do it or vice versa. Okay. That makes that makes sense. Um, kind of a Venn diagram of companies. You guys have a little bit of overlap, but you're trying to keep the branding and the marketing separate. So Yeah, you keep the branding and the marketing separate just because if CD Baby started talking about like 
video game covers, 95% of CD babies, like artists and audience would be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but you do that with sound drop and people are like, oh, hell yeah. You know? Yeah. Whereas if we start yeah. talking about publishing administration and, you know, claiming your composition and registering it at sound drop, people are going to be like, what, why? <laughs> I don't need that. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate it. I, I wanted, I did want to ask you just sort of on a personal note before we wrap up, I was looking at your LinkedIn and, and you've got a part-time job too, which kind of caught my attention. Um, do you mind talking about that a little bit? The preschool? The preschool. You, as, as if you're not busy enough, you also run a preschool. I do with my wife. And that's actually, it's her passion uh, is early childhood education. So her and her sister okay. run a, they're the teachers. They're the ones that really run the place. What I do okay. is the bookkeeping and the billing and, the, you know, the money and the like, oh, this thing's got to happen. That thing's got to happen. Got to pay the taxes. Got to just keep the kind of ships running on time. Um, and okay. that's just like, uh, it's like a side gig for me, but it's my wife's full-time job, but I'm the owner of the school. Like we own the place. So, got it. Uh, so it is kind of funny running. because- it doesn't really fit in um, except, you know, I put it on my LinkedIn. I was like, Hey, I, I know how to run a small business, you know? Uh, and it's not just like, Oh, if it's music industry, I'm good. But it's like, I can do other stuff, you know? And I, and having that, uh, like I'm the, sorry, it's freaking dogs. Um, <laughs> basically the chief executive, you know, of that company. Do you get to interact with any of the preschoolers or is it, is it all paperwork and books? Mostly paperwork and books. Uh, and back in the day, I used to do it a lot more. Um, I mean, when I was, my job was like packing CDs at CD baby. A lot of times I was like, yeah, go hang out at the preschool, go play with the kids these days, especially well. And then stuff all went crazy with, with COVID, but um, yeah. And now there's like a lot less kind of, open visiting and hanging out than there used to be. Sure. Um, but yeah, I love kids. I love little kids. So it's, you know, it was a natural thing for me to want to participate in, if not my, you know, my personal original passion. Uh, but I like, you know, I like doing things in the world that make people's lives better. And much like when you take care of somebody's music they're like, oh, so thankful because like they have a relationship with that music that's like way, way, way deeper than just kind of like a transactional thing. And the same thing is obviously true with people's children. You know, when you feel like you're we feel like your kid is safe at your preschool, at that preschool, like what a what a wonderful thing to be able to provide for somebody is just take that one worry off. They're not worried about their kids during the day who's watching their kids, you know. It's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So musicians can focus on making music and they know that you've got their back with uh, distributing their, their, especially their covers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they just, we're trustworthy. Not only are we part of CD baby and we've been doing this for decades, um, but we are uh, now here for you specifically. And I like to think that the way that we run our business, like shows that in every moment. Yeah. Well, 
thank you so much for your time, especially uh, especially with a wife and kids and side business and running a company. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how you fit this in, but I really do appreciate your time tonight. Uh, no problem. I mean, I'm, I used to be the brand manager. So anything that's kind of like brand ambassador stuff is interesting and fun for me. So I'm happy to happy to do it. I appreciate the yeah, opportunity. Well, well, thank you again. And I, I hope you have a great week. Thanks, man. You too, Brian. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I've been running this podcast now for 77 consecutive weeks, and I love it. Thank you so much to each and every listener out there. I was looking at my statistics, and I think it's so cool that I've got listeners all over the world and a huge number of you from India. That is so awesome. I need to interview some Indian producers on here. So if you've got some in mind, hit me up at houseninjamusic at gmail.com or DM me on any social media platform at houseninjamusic. That said, I'm going to have to try an every other week format meaning our next episode will be out Monday, June 5th. I'd prefer to keep this running every week, but as a producer, my core business is producing music, and because of some changes in my personal situation since moving the studio back to Atlanta, I'm finding I just don't have time to make music. Add to that that the pandemic in the United States is finally getting under control, I really want to start performing again, and I just need more time, and the only way that I can find that is by scaling back the frequency of the podcast for now. It's a hard choice, but I think a lot of being a successful small business owner comes down to prioritizing your most precious resource, your time. So please, stay with me. We'll be back in two weeks with some more amazing guests, tips, and tricks. And once again, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, this is the House Ninja reminding you to be somebody's hero today. Thank you.